The following podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. At times here on the show, you'll hear us chatting about having a drink or a cocktail. (laughs) Obviously, drinking can be a fun pastime if done responsibly. Agreed. Salud. So what's your favorite drink, Mr. V? Well, you know, it changes over time. In my 20s, it was gin and tonic. In my 30s, I remember Jack and Coke. Today, as you know, it's whiskey and Coke, but summertime, it's all about Moscow mules or the mojito. Mm-hmm. We all know I'm a whiskey girl. I have my favorites and alternates. Um, they all have different positive qualities to them. But the smoothest is definitely the Irish Whiskey Jameson. Oh, yes. It definitely goes down smooth. I like a good bourbon or rye. Mm-hmm. But did you know there's a dark tale that surrounds the Jameson brand? Oh, wow. I need to hear this, and I'm sure our listeners do, too. This is Unexplained Realms, the podcast. I'm your host, Anne, joined by producer and co-host, Eddie V. Scotsman John Jameson was the founder of Jameson Irish Whiskey. In 1786, he managed the distillery that belonged to his wife's family. The distillery resided in Dublin's Bow Street. By 1805, John purchased it from his wife's family, and just a mere five years later, his son, named John as well, assisted him in officially founding the company, which was named John Jameson and Son Irish Whiskey Company. Jameson's whiskey went on to become the world's number one whiskey. Increasing production forced them to expand the distillery as they were producing one million gallons of whiskey every year. By the time the world headed into the 19th century, the distillery would span over five acres and included underground storage for the maturity process to take place. Some often called the distillery a city within a city. John Jameson died on December 3rd, 1823, and at this time, Jameson Whiskey was established as the country's leading whiskey maker. The distillery continued to thrive, as did his family. A grandson, James Sligo Jameson, was born in 1856 and would obviously become an heir of the Jameson legacy. James was born to John's fourth son, Andrew. James Sligo Jameson would have an uneventful childhood. Nothing extravagant to report. He attended college and would later be prepped for the army. Though in 1877, he chose to devote himself to a life of travels. During his travels, James became the first to discover a type of honey buzzard and was a bird enthusiast. 
by the end of 1878, he visited South Africa in search of big game to hunt. Though during 1884 to 1885, he went home. While home, he married a woman named Ethel, the daughter of Sir Henry Marion Durand. By 1886, he joined the Eman Pasha Relief Expedition as a naturalist. This expedition would last from 1886 to 1889. The expedition was led by Welsh-American explorer Henry Morton Stanley. The controversial British-led mission was to rescue Ermin Pasha, the German-born doctor and Muslim convert. The doctor had emigrated to the Middle East and had become governor of Egypt Equatorial Province. Communications had been cut off. James Sligo Jameson would be the only Irish officer on this mission up the Congo River. He was the first to arrive in Africa in 1887. The group would also explore new colonial territories in the Congo for Belgium. During 1888, the mission led the group to the Yambuya camp in Africa. After the mission, the expedition's interpreter, Assad Faran, had written an affidavit to the leader of the mission, Henry Morton Stanley, describing cannibalistic rituals involving Mr. Jameson. Assad alleged that while Mr. Jameson was returning from Kasango to Yambuya with Chief Tipu Tib, the Arab chief of the Menyema, the group of 400 men would need to stop off for a day or two to obtain food and rest. In this area, Jameson encountered Chief Mohammed Ben Karniz and after various discussions on different matters, Mr. Jameson stated he was very anxious to see a man killed and eaten. The conversation was discussed through Tipu Tib's interpreter, Salim Masandi. It was said that Jameson stated the following. In England, we hear about the cannibals who eat people, but being myself in the place, I should like to see it done. That was interpreted to the chiefs, and after they discussed it, they told Mr. Jameson that if he wanted to see this, he would have to buy a slave that would be a present to the cannibals, and they would eat the slave in front of him. Mr. Jameson asked what the price would be, and he was told six pieces of cloth, which were handkerchiefs. Once he handed payment off, a man brought out a young girl of about 10 years old. The girl was led by the orders of the chiefs to the huts to be eaten. The native huts were where the cannibals dwelled. The cannibals were told the girl was a gift from the white man and he wants to see you eat her. The cannibals then tied the girl to a tree as others sharpened their knives. Assad Faran, the mission's interpreter, continued on in his letter in graphic detail. 
He stated a man stabbed the girl with a knife twice in the belly. He stated the young girl did not scream, though she was aware of what was happening to her. After dying from her stab wounds, the cannibals began cutting her in pieces. A leg, an arm, her breasts. One cut her head and another took the inner pieces of her stomach area. Once the meat was divided, some took it to the river to wash it, though others went straight to their huts. It was said during this incident that Mr. Jameson was drawing rough sketches of what he had seen. Assad concluded that Mr. Jameson had created six small sketches and painted them with watercolors. 31-year-old James Jameson died in 1888 of a type of typhoid fever in the town of Bengala, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Though after his death, his group's interpreter chose to share this story. The Jameson cannibalism affair became a bona fide scandal that ripped through the newspapers, particularly the publication The Times of London. Assad Farhan told the press he saw for himself the person being killed and cooked for food for the Manyamas. He then gave a description of an orgy that Mr. Jameson was very interested in and did not protest while he watched it occur. While grieving, James Jameson, his wife, defended him in every way she could to the press. His final telegraph to his wife read, the reports about me emanating from Assad Faran, a distinguished interpreter, are false. If made public, stop them. At one point, Jameson's journal was found, and it did corroborate the incident. But in a very different way. Jameson wrote that he was horrified by the murder and mutilation of the girl and stated he did not sketch the scene until after the incident. He wrote that he had felt the entire proposal was a joke and they were simply trying to take something from him. From his journal entry, here is what he wrote. Give me a bit of cloth and see. I only thought this another of their plans for getting something out of me and having some cloth of my own. As he had been kind to me, sent my boy for a small piece of six handkerchiefs, which I gave to him. Then followed the most horrible scene I've ever witnessed in my life. The whole thing happened so quickly that I had, had I wished, I could not have sketched it. And I had nothing with me to sketch with, they all being in my house. The small sketches I made were done in the evening afterwards in my own house. How the girl was obtained, I do not yet know. By September of 1888, Assad Faran retracted his accusations. He said, I, Assad Faran, lately interpreter with the Emin Relief Expedition, declare most solemnly that the story of Mr. Jameson buying the girl 
has been altogether misunderstood by the missionary at Latete. The story is entirely untrue. Could James Sligo Jameson really have been living out a cannibalistic fantasy? Sketching it to keep it fresh in his mind? Or was he just an unsuspecting witness of a cannibalistic ritual? We may never really know and just have to leave this to the realms of the unexplained. Wow, how horrific. You know, you can tell by the name Jameson, he was what we would call Scots-Irish. Right. Mm -hmm. Although born in Scotland, Jameson is an Irish name and Mm -hmm. Sligo is a town in Ireland. Mm -hmm. My favorite Celtic group was from there. Mm -hmm. And after that story, I think we need a drink. Definitely. This story really rocked the 1800s. Jameson was huge and world-renowned at the time, much like it is now actually came across newspaper clippings of the story and the retraction which I will be placing on unexplainedrealms.com for listeners viewing pleasure. I don't know about you, I think we need a drink. Maybe not Jameson though. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Something, but uh, I still have to finish my coffee. (laughs) Let's spike it. (laughs) You know where to go. Unexplainedrealms.com If you're new... You can visit us at unexplainedrealms.com, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to smash those like, subscribe, and follow buttons. And don't forget to hit the show notifications button on Spotify so you can get reminders when we drop a new episode. Don't forget to click on our sponsors' links when visiting unexplainedrealms.com with a variety of brands and products to choose from and the most exclusive deals just for you. This podcast is supported by Anchor.fm and V Media Studios.